Uh, it's good to, uh, good to have this chance to, to meet in this way. Uh, a few months ago, we were in this field, a lot of us. Remember, it was dark, it was cold. I remember uh, running down that way shouting. That was uh, basically my job was to shout a lot and be very aggressive and very angry. And there were some shepherds in the middle with some sheep and there was a crowd of people who didn't know what was going on and it was a whole lot of fun doing something completely out of the ordinary, right? To celebrate the nativity, to celebrate God's mission, sending his son into this world. I mean, it was, in those days, coming into a field like this was crazy. Now I'm starting to wonder if this might not be a bad idea. Now, the weather may be a factor. I'm not sure how it's going to work moving forward, but maybe we should just, uh, you know, be kind to the priors, make sure you don't offend them, because this might be a, a bit of a plan for us. I've been thinking, actually, about how much has changed over these past months. It's been crazy, hasn't it? We could never have imagined what 2020 would be like. Uh, remember the last Sunday we were together at the school, we were saying, possibly, probably, it sounds likely that next week we won't be able to meet. And maybe for a few weeks. Remember that? Remember when it was going to be maybe till the end of April? And then May came and then June came. And it's gone on a whole lot longer than we kind of anticipated at the start. And now we're coming past the summer holidays and into September. And traditionally, September is like the start of a year, start of a school year. Right, and so as a church in September, typically we're thinking, right, here are the plans. This is what's happening. You know, uh, this is when we get to go to the farm at Christmas, and we get we get everything kind of laid out in front of us. And this year, we have no idea. Right, none of us really know. We don't know what it's going to be like when the kids go back to school. How long they're going to be able to stay in school before somebody tests positive, and what's going to happen then? And we don't know if there's going to be a second wave. We don't know if there's going to be a, a lockdown, local or national. We, we just don't know. And it's created a whole load of uncertainty for us. And so I'm really excited in the midst of all of that, that we can come together and we can start this series in a field. And we can start this series because this series that we're going to have uh, starting today, going for the next few weeks on Sundays and in life groups is a series that I think is absolutely what we need at this time. It's a series that's going to remind us that even though now does not feel normal in any sense, actually this is not a surprise to God. That, that even though what we're experiencing has all sorts of uncertainties, God knows what he's doing. And we can remind ourselves, remind each other that God knows what he's doing, and we can encourage one another to be the church that he's made us to be in the midst of whatever is happening around us. I was thinking, wouldn't it be good if God gave us some kind of description of what it could be like to have a church in a time where there are no church buildings, in a time where there is no real church tradition, or at least the, the way we've done church traditionally isn't possible. Wouldn't it be great if God would give us some kind of written explanation or, or description of what, what church could be like in a, a society that is antagonistic to the gospel and in a culture that is massively, massively opposed to what we're talking about? Wouldn't it be helpful if God could give us something so that we could kind of sink our teeth into it and, and think about what it's like to be church in a world that is politically divided racially tense, 
where all of the things that are going on now, where death is a part of the equation in a way that we haven't been used to, all the things that are happening, wouldn't it be helpful if God gave us something to look at? And he has. It's called the book of Acts. Because the book of Acts is the story of the church before the church was traditional church. Right? Before things that we used to do, like until March, the book of Acts was kind of the way it was. Now, there was, you know, centuries and centuries that evolved to get to where we were. But what we're experiencing now in some way is a taste of what the early church had, not quite knowing what the future holds, not really knowing how it's going to play out, not really understanding exactly what's happening, but knowing that we know the truth, knowing that God is God. He is on the throne. He's got a plan and he's going to work it out despite us and with us and through us and around us, he is at work. And that's exactly what it was like in the book of Acts. And so what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're going to just dip in. We're not going to kind of work our way through it in detail, although I'd love you to read it and kind of read it through the eyes of 2020 uh, Chippenham, right, where we're at now. I'd love you to read it, but we're going to dip in and we're going to say, look, here's something that was a thing back then. And maybe this needs to be a thing right now. Here's something that is kind of the church doing church things without having the freedom to do church the way we used to do church. Maybe we can learn from what we're seeing in the book of Acts. And what we're going to start with today is we're going to look at basically one verse that kind of reminds us what church is or what church does. Now, before we get to that verse, I just want to establish something that's really important. That If we don't get this little bit, we could end up having a bit of a problem. That is, that we don't want to look at what they did and simply say, let's copy that and then check us out, right? It's not as simple as they did this, therefore we should do this. Let me, let me give you an example. This isn't the verse I'm preaching, but let me give you an example. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It's kind of the launching point of the book. Jesus is there, he's speaking to his disciples, and he said to them, you shall be my witnesses, in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Right? So geographically, starting where they were, they were going to spread this message out across their nation, neighboring nation, across the Roman Empire. I mean, that's kind of the program. They were the ones that were going to be the witnesses. Imagine them looking at each other like, are you serious, like us? Unimpressive, uneducated, wrong accent, can't even get on with each other particularly well. That's them, not us. I mean, it was a, a kind of a ragamuffin group of guys. And Jesus is saying, you're going to be my witnesses right the way across the world. And so when you look at the title of the book in your Bible, it says the Acts of the Apostles. That's not a great title when you think about it. For a start, it doesn't tell us all of what the apostles did. It doesn't tell us about Thomas going to India. It doesn't tell us what Matthew did. It basically talks about Peter. And then once Paul comes along, forget Peter, let's go to Paul. It's not really the acts of the apostles. But more importantly than that, it's not really the, the acts of those apostles. Because all the way through, the thing that is absolutely clear in the book of Acts is that God was at work. It's the acts of God, not the acts of the apostles. It's the acts of God. So when Jesus said to the disciples, you shall be my witnesses, right before that, he said, wait in Jerusalem until you receive power. 
right, until the Spirit comes, you will receive power when the Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. God was the one who was at work. He was the one who empowered them. And so, yeah, we should be witnesses. We are witnesses. But if we just look at that, we can think, right, the pressure's on us. Let's witness harder. Like, I don't know how you hard witness, but, you know, we, we kind of think, right, I've got to really pump up my witnessing. I've got to really, you know, do the thing. But actually, when we look at it, we see, no, God was doing something. And he sent his spirit to empower them so that they could join in with what he was doing. So all the way through the book of Acts, we're going to see this and we're going to say this. God had a plan, right? It's, we called Trinity Chippenham. Surprisingly, uh, not at all. The, the Trinity is a big deal in the book of Acts. The Father has a plan all the way through the book. It says it is necessary. It had to be this way. It was necessary that. So God the Father's got a plan, right? God the Son is the focus of what they're talking about. They're witnessing to the fact that Jesus not only died in Jerusalem, but then he rose from the dead. He literally, physically, actually, back from the dead, alive, kind of proper, rose from the dead. And they were going around witnessing about that. So the father had a, a plan. The son was the one that rose from the dead, and the spirit was the one that empowered them. So it's a massively Trinitarian book. It's a Trinitarian program. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit was doing something and they got to join in. How cool is that? They got to be spirit-empowered witnesses of the risen Christ according to God's plan. And so we're just going to kind of try to keep that principle in mind that it's the acts of God, it's the plan of God, it's the message of God, and it's the spirit of God. And we just get to join in as we move forward into the winter of 2020, not knowing what it's going to mean or what it's going to be like. And for five months, apart from the last few weeks where a limited number have been able to sign up and come together and wear masks and do all the kind of weird version of church that we've been doing, basically for five months, we haven't been able to do this, to gather together, to have most of us sing, right? to have the band, to, to have God's word. We haven't had this. And so I think a good place for us to start is just to remind ourselves, hang on a minute, what is the church? Because the church isn't about a building, whether it's your own or a rented one, right? The church isn't about tradition. It's not about, you know, certain clothing or, or anything like that. All the things that it became over the years, we've kind of had pulled away for the past few months. When the church starts in Acts chapter 2, they didn't have any of that tradition. And so what happened? In Acts chapter 2, the Spirit came down. There was a group of about 120. That's basically this size group plus the people at home. That's about 120, okay? So the Spirit came down, and they all started speaking in different languages, and the languages that they spoke in just happened to be the languages of the crowd of Jews that were gathered, right? Almost like God knew what he was doing. And so the people that had come from Rome and all these different places were going, hang on, that, that guy's speaking my language. So they were listening, they were hearing the message of Jesus, and everyone was like, whoa, what is happening? And so Peter stood up. And Peter, remember, a few weeks before, uh, had stood up and denied Jesus three times. I mean, he wasn't kind of in the zone at this point. But on this day, with the Spirit in him, Peter stood up and preaches an incredibly powerful message, explaining what's happening, explaining the presence of the Holy Spirit, explaining how Jesus that they had crucified was God's 
deliverer, God's Messiah that had been sent. So he kind of gave the whole explanation. The crowd was like, whoa, that's amazing. That, that, that's an incredibly powerful message. The spirit was obviously at work. And at the end of the message, they said, what do we do? Peter said, repent and be baptized. And they, they kind of get to this kind of conclusion. And then we get the verse right before the verse we're looking at. And it says 3,000 people got saved. 3,000 people got baptized. Three, the church went from 120 in the morning to like half an hour later, 3,120. That's kind of crazy church growth, right? A few weeks later, another 5,000 get added. So obviously God was doing something. And then you come to Acts 2 verse 42, and we get a description of what this new thing called the church did. So just in case we've forgotten what church is about, right? Just in case we're like, oh, I don't quite remember. That was like last winter. Acts 2.42 begins with the word and. So keep the context. God had done this amazing thing. 3,000 people had responded and said, we're part of this. We're joining. We're in. Whatever it takes. Lord, forgive us. We want to be part of this new community, this new entity. We want to be in this. And the Spirit came. Yeah, it's just an amazing thing. 3,000 souls were added and they devoted themselves. That means that they were steadily, constantly committed to. I wonder what, what you would say that's, uh, that would be a description of in your life. What are you absolutely, diligently committed to? No matter what. I, I don't care what's happening. It can be an absolute crisis, but match of the day is on. Right? Like what, what is the thing in your life that is a, no questions asked, I'm committed to that? Morning coffee, perhaps, for some? I mean, it, there's, there's different things, right? They were devoted to what? Well, it tells us four things that they were devoted to. I'm not criticizing coffee or match of the day, but, but these four things seem kind of significant. So Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves. They were steadily kind of doggedly consistent, no matter what, these things are happening. Number one, the apostles' teaching. Number two, the fellowship. Number three, the breaking of bread. And number four, the prayers. That's kind of a description of what this new community did. And I just want to throw these four things into our thinking, because over these next weeks, we're going to be preaching, we're going to be discussing at life groups, we're going to be saying, what does it mean to be the church now? What does it look like to be Trinity Chippenham at the end of 2020? Because it's different than at the start of 2020. Whatever it looks like, and we want to pray about it, we want to talk about it, we want to discuss it, we want to be creative together, these things probably need to be in the mix. Right? Number one, the apostles' teaching. They were entering into a whole new realm of life. They didn't know what it meant to be the community of God's people in the midst of a very antagonistic Jewish culture, in the midst of a very pagan and antagonistic Roman culture. They needed teaching and they were keen, eager to learn. They wanted to know, okay, what does the Bible have to say? Apostles, what did Jesus say? Fill us in, help us to understand. Whatever happens, let's be a church that is leaning in to learning, right? Not just because it's the thing to do, not just because you have to have a sermon on a Sunday, but like actually hungry to know what does God's word have to say for us now? 
Like lean into the learning because God knows what we need. It's by this that every one of us can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We can be thoroughly equipped for doing church at the end of 2020. And when the government guidelines change in like next week and things shift, the Bible's not surprised and we can learn from this how we are to live, what we need to sustain us. We need to be a learning community. Second thing was the fellowship. Right? And, and hopefully, coming out of lockdown, we can appreciate the blessing of fellowship more than before where it was kind of a rhythm. Maybe for decades, some of us see each other on Sundays, see each other at life groups. Isn't it easy? You know, go to somebody's house for lunch on Sunday. It was all very kind of rhythmic. And then it got taken away. And I hope you missed it, right? Because we're created for each other. And so as well as leaning into the learning of God's word, if we're going to be a church, we need to be leaning into each other. That's what the fellowship is. Literally, it means the sharing. Sharing of stuff. Somebody needs something, need garden shears, got several, several sets available currently. Like there's, there's a sharing, right, that goes on in a church community. But it's more than just sharing stuff, it's sharing life, sharing ourselves, being there for one another, encouraging one another, caring for one another, looking out for one another. The fellowship is what makes it a family, which what makes it so, so incredibly special so incredibly attractive to a world that's starving for genuine connection, a world that craves authenticity and then generates reality TV as a solution to that, right? We, we can offer something, something far more genuine as we're real with each other and we don't walk around kind of acting like we've got it all together, but go, you know what? I'm, I'm an idiot and I messed up this week or I really struggle in this area or you know what, I, I keep doing this thing and it, it keeps backfiring or I keep having the same argument with my spouse or I keep failing as a parent. We can be real with each other and there's grace to encourage and embrace one another, not you know socially distanced, but we can embrace the reality of each other's lives and go, yeah, I struggle too. That can be a beautiful thing. To be real and to fellowship, to share life with one another. <coughs> so learning together, leaning in towards one another. And then the third thing is the breaking of bread. Now, it, some people look at that and go, well, it's talking about eating meals together. Okay, great. Let's eat meals together. Still two households in a house at one time, right? Let's eat meals together. Some people look at that and go, no, it's the breaking of bread. I think he's referring to something like communion, you know, like actually doing that memorial meal together where we kind of remember deliberately what Jesus has done for us and we share in that worship. Yes, that too. That's also important. We need to figure out how do we do that? It was easy before. How do we do it now? How do we do it now that some of us are meeting in person, but others can't be there because of numbers? How do we do it when, you know, the Zoom thing now is just so much smaller. That's not the church anymore like it was at the beginning when we weren't seeing each other. So what is communion? We're going to have to figure it out. But we want it to be part of who we are because it's so important that as a community, we're worshipers. That we remind each other of Jesus and we worship him together. And then the fourth thing is the prayer. Prayer life of a church. We, we're going into the unknown. Why wouldn't we want to be a community that prays? Of course we do. And so whatever it looks like, we don't know. 
But let's be a church that says, actually, what makes church church is not whether or not we have access to a certain school. Hopefully we will. What makes church church isn't whether or not we have to wear masks. It's annoying, but it's just a, is what it is. What makes church church is, is not these extra things. It's the core stuff where we're learning from God's word, where we're leaning into one another, where we're loving God in our prayer lives and in our worship. Right? All of that stuff somehow needs to be right at the heart of what we're doing. What's it going to look like? I don't know. Let's explore. Let's pray together. Let's have conversations. If you've got ideas, feed them in. But the one thing I want us to go away from today with is a real sense of excitement. That we're not, that we're not like pressing pause on the plans of God, waiting for normal to return so that we can get on with things the way we liked it. Right? The reality is that God's plan is marching forward. For the first three centuries, there was no such thing as traditional church the way we think of it. And God was at work then, and the book of Acts gives us a taste of that. And we're a part of that same history now. The Father has a plan. The risen Christ deserves to be proclaimed to this world, and the Spirit continues to empower us. And what it's going to look like, we don't know, but what it's going to include is our determination our dogged persistence at learning and at leaning into one another's lives and at loving the Lord together. That's going to be a part of it, whatever it looks like. And I hope what we see is what this passage tells us right at the end. It goes on to describe kind of the response of the community. We're not going to get into that. But right at the end, verse 47, it says, And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved amazing to be alive back then wouldn't it day by day people were like what's going on i want to know more and people were getting saved what's changed we're still living in weird times we've still got the same god we're still proclaiming the same christ and we're still in a world that's desperately in need of that same hope let's be a church together however that looks that god will hopefully be pleased to add to us. What does that mean? How do we do outreach when we haven't got church to invite people? I don't know. This is like my I don't know message. But I, I don't know. We're talking about it. We're praying about it. We're inviting you to talk about it and pray about it. And let's feed in ideas and let's, let's not hide from the situation we're in, but let's embrace it. Let's say, you know what, Lord, 2020 is no surprise to you. And I may have taken five months to get to this point, but I'm in. I'm in. Whatever you want to do, I'm in. Whatever it looks like, sitting in a field when it's raining, all right, if that's what it takes, I'm in. That's not, that's not a suggestion, it's just a thought, okay? Whatever it takes, let's lean into it and together uh, explore what God wants to do. And who knows, maybe normal will return. And when it does, we can take stock and we can give God praise. Maybe normal never comes back and it's new normal forever. It doesn't matter because God has got a plan. Jesus is still risen from the dead and the Spirit still empowers us to take that message to this world. Why don't we just pause right now before the band come back up and the choir presumably as well. Before we, we do all that, let's just pause and just in our own hearts respond to God. Maybe, maybe what you need to say is, Lord, I've, I've been annoyed and I've been impatient and I've just been checking out and I, I need to check back in to what you're doing. Maybe you want to you know, say, Lord, give us ideas or Lord, add to our number daily those who are being saved. Whatever you want to do, just, just take 
30 seconds, talk to God about it. I'll pray and then Andy will come up. I think lead us in communion and then we'll, we'll sing after that. Let's just take a moment to think about what we are a part of. <laughs>